Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 15th. In life's race, compete only against yourself. Sooner or later, no matter how skilled you are, there will always be someone better. Every record will be broken. Every best will be bettered. In the battle between good and evil, seek victory over your ego. Be calmer today than heretofore. Be kinder, more forgiving, more accepting, less judgmental. Whatever your faults or virtues, give increasing energy to that which, in the end, will bring you bliss. Well, here we are. Um, In our Living Wisdom School, we're really trying to train our children not to not necessarily, or I should say, not primarily to get good jobs. You know, the, uh, at least in the USA, education has become really future-oriented and future-oriented toward money and success in a very strange way, starting from they keep, they keep shifting the educational focus so that right from like literally in the f- in five-year-olds and six-year-olds, they're all sort of geared toward these very specific intellectual kind of skills that you'll need in order to get into a, a, a good college and that you'll be able to then get a good job and so on and so on. Even though, just incidentally, there's not a shred of evidence that pushing the mathematics and spelling and everything down to a lower and lower level actually makes them any more skilled when they get older. In fact, if there is any evidence, it's that they absolutely burn out. And even worse than that, the children never develop those qualities that actually give them the resilience and the creativity to be happy, well-adjusted human beings. And in the particular, even in the economy that we're working with today, quite apart from God knows what's going to happen after this uh, quarantine, which I'm still in, May, uh, July 2020, we have no idea what that's going to be. And technology moves so fast that what you learn, even in college, by the time you finish your graduate degree, if you're doing it, what you learned at the beginning is already obsolete. And what really enables people to be successful in life is resiliency, self-confidence, the ability to direct energy, the um, capacity to stay positive despite setbacks, the willingness to risk, to be creative, to think outside of the box, to have intuition, to get along with other people, I mean, all of us who are adults realize this is what you actually need to be successful in life. It's not that you need in the second grade to be doing fourth grade math. I read something in the local, in the local paper that said they were revising the mathematical program at our local high school. And of course, we're in a very prestigious area. We're right near Stanford University, so very intellectual and Silicon Valley-esque sort of energy here that they were now going to do the four-year math program in three years. (laughs) As if, in itself, that was a great accomplishment. Well, gosh, the reason it's taken four years is because four years was a more natural rhythm for that 
learning, how are they going to compress it into, into three years? It's, it's, it's completely crazy, okay? Because all of it is about external measurement, external measurement. We have an education for life school that is just completely different. There was a child in our school. He, he was with us from like kindergarten, I think all the way through eighth grade or nearly, which is what all we had then. Now we also have high school. Um, and about fifth grade or so, um, his, we, he, it, was, it, it was deemed wise to have him tested for his abilities because he really seemed to have a lot of learning differences. He was thriving in our school and really progressing nicely, but it was noticeable. So they had him tested. And afterwards, this is what the tester said. There's no reason why this child should be succeeding. And there's no reason why he should feel so confident in himself. He has so many obstacles, but he doesn't seem to know that. And that was 100% our school. Yeah, he had lots of differences, but he didn't seem to see them as obstacles. He just saw them as the conditions of life. And he's gone on in his way to be very successful. Not, he's not an academic. You know, he's not an intellectual. He didn't go to a prestigious college. But as a person in his own life, he learned how to be himself and how to be himself with confidence. And, and above all, which he is, to be kind, to be considerate, to be all the things that a person really needs to be. Another girl who graduated from our, I think she, well, I met, probably it was elementary school, it was probably middle school, eighth grade. She said, what I learned in this school is that whatever I set my mind to, I can do. I mean, that's what you need because I can direct my energy, I can master my emotions, and all the other things like that. So what Swami's here saying, in, in life's race, compete only with yourself. And then he goes on to say, and what, am, what are the qualities in myself that I'm going to try to emerge victorious? Well, there's no harm in trying to be excellent. And I think that's also important to say, because generally speaking, what keeps us from being excellent are personal limitations. When I was trying to persuade a young friend of mine, not persuade, but we were talking about this particular spiritual path that I'm on. He's a relative, so his interest was first in me just because I was a relative. He didn't come to me for these teachings, but we talked about it a lot. He knew what I was involved in. And he expressed his reluctance to get involved in the spiritual path because he had lots of worldly ambitions and he wanted to fulfill them. So I said to him, you know, I didn't expect him ever to want a life like mine. I said, but what is the main obstacle to the success you would like to have in life? He thought about it a moment. He said, myself, you know, my fears, my lack of concentration, my, my false expectations. You know, there's a long list of them. I said, so anything that leads to self-mastery is going to make it possible for you to be successful in any way that you choose. Yes, of course that's true. He wasn't drawn to this path, but that's his free choice. But he at least saw the wisdom of it, which is the point. So what Swami's trying to have us say is that if we base our sense of self-worth and our sense of accomplishment on external qualities, we're always going to be disappointed. If nothing else, we'll simply grow too old to be able to be the front of the pack anymore. The youngsters will come up around us and we'll just be marginalized and that which might have been the source of great satisfaction, can just turn into dust in our own hands. What we will have, however, is the character that we build and the consciousness that we have. And so 
and and also the other aspect of it I was starting to say about the reason to strive for excellence is this. Generally speaking, what keeps us from excelling are limitations in our own character, the lack of self-mastery, you know, inability to put out enough energy, not having the intuition to know where we ought to put out energy, um, losing our emotional equanimity in the face of obstacles, allowing ourselves to become embroiled in conflicts with other people, um, not being able to hold our personal life together and having that stress then undermine whatever else we're trying to accomplish. So the desire to excel is one of the ways in which we can practically engage in removing the obstacles to that excellence, which are, of course, related to the skill set, but the ability to master the skill set is related to self-mastery and related to who we are. So what Swami is also suggesting here is that we work fundamentally on the basic obstacle to our, our, our being able to be an instrument of divine energy and an instrument of higher consciousness, which is our egoic limitations self-imposed. The idea that I have to protect myself, that everyone else is a threat, you know that I need to have the preemptive strike in order to get the upper hand on people. Also, which leaves us, once our world record is broken, which our world record will inevitably be broken, once we sort of see coming up behind us some child prodigy who already plays the violin better than we're ever going to be able to play it, you know, this is just the nature of life, or some unfortunate physical limitation sets in, and that which was effortless to us is suddenly beyond our reach. You know, we simply cannot protect ourselves from the forces of the universe, or the Olympics gets canceled because of war, or the Olympics get canceled because of a pandemic, and one just focused one's whole life toward getting this gold medal, and then all of a sudden there's not even a chance to compete. It's like nothing in the external world is ever going to, to stay in place long enough for us to really get what we want from it. Now, however, working for those goals will teach us who we really want to be, especially if we use whatever our passion might be or our talent might be as the means you know, to interface with the world to give us access to even greater things. And the other thing we have to understand is the only measurement that matters, now I'm talking excellence, I'm talking gold medal in the Olympics, which very, very, very few among us are really going to be able to move in those circles or would even want to. I know a man who was at the top of his particular competitive field, and he talked about his training program, how many hours he spent doing this, how many hours he spent doing that and this and that and this, you know, hours and hours and hours every day. He said, that's my daily training program. And by daily, I mean daily. My birthday, my kid's birthday, Christmas, New Year's Day. He said, that's how I do it. It's not, it's not a mystery how I do it. I do it because I focus my attention, I sacrifice, I make it happen. Now, in that particular instance, the man did not do it with sufficient detachment 
to build proper character at the same time, so all he became was excellent in his field of sports, but his personal life disintegrated all around him because he was constantly competing against others. He wasn't thinking about how to overcome his own limitations to become kinder, you know, and more accepting, less judgmental, all of those qualities which would also have given him happiness. So I'll come back to our education for life because education for life, even though we're dealing with four-year-olds to 14-year-olds, education for life is all of us. You know, we, we, especially in the lower grades, and we're working to be able to put this into high school, it gets very complicated because our society is so misguided, but we are finding kindred spirits who are working on this to stop giving letter grades. But all through our K through 8 school, we never give children letter grades. We never say A, B, C, or D. We experienced, we experimented with it a little bit. As soon as you put a grade on the child's paper, I mean, if they have a spelling test, they can know how many they got wrong. In a math test, they can see how many they got right or wrong. But when we started putting an A, A minus, B plus, the children pick up their paper and see what the grade was, and that was it. When you just hand it back to them with feedback about what they've done, then they look at their work and they become interested in, guess what, education. Not just in sort of closing the door on learning because now I have the A. So what we work with the children on is who are you and what is your next step forward? You know, My education was completely strange because I was extremely capable. I was book smart. That's all. I wasn't, I, I was, I was only very good in math. I was excellent in everything related to language. And I really could never do chemistry because I never could see any sense in learning it. And fortunately, I got admitted to college before I had to finish. So I got a very low grade, but I still got into school. I was already into college at that point. But with children, we say, okay, this is what you've done. Let's see if we can do it better. And it's not compared to the one next to you or the one next to you or the national standard or the, the criteria for getting into Harvard. It's who are you? Have you tried your hardest? If you haven't tried your hardest, let's try harder. Because that's the spirit that we want, but you have to measure it against something that the person can actually relate to. So in my life, when I was growing up, I was effortlessly smart at school, but the key to that was effortless. So, whereas I, I really needed, which I didn't learn until I got to Ananda when I was 24, I really needed to learn to focus and concentrate and, and strive against what I could already do to do it better. Instead, they just had a standard and I just met it effortlessly, which made me, oddly, exceedingly insecure. Exceedingly insecure. Because I knew I was doing nothing. So I was doing nothing and getting very high marks. And one of the things, unfortunate things that happened to me when I went to college in my field, which was really English and writing even at that time, I got very high marks right at the beginning. It was exceedingly upsetting to me. I didn't have a very good teacher and I actually got changed into a different teacher. But still, I didn't come to get high marks. I came to learn. So with our children... We start with who they are. And then how can we make this better? But not better just you get these marks. We've had children 
transfer into our school um, in the sixth or seventh grade, and this is in something that we've experienced. We know we've had several. Several came in at the same time. They were they didn't go through our culture. They came from other cultures. All they wanted to know was how did they find out find what the right answer was and give it. They didn't want to explore. They didn't want to think. They didn't want to have original ideas. So one of the teachers described, and there were three or four of them together, unrelated, but together in that class. She said, they're whip smart, she said, but they can't think at all. They don't know how to think. And so, you know, gradually over the course of the years that we had them, we kind of woke up their natural intelligence, which which they had stopped competing against themselves. They were just filling in the bubbles, you know, marking the little tests. That's not who we want to be. That, that, that gives us nothing. And once you leave school, it's not the criteria either. You know, it's just, that's why a lot of very, very sm- school smart people just find themselves completely at sea when they get into the real world, especially the way the real world is changing today. Because you can't just fill in the bubble. You have to actually be present with who you are. So let's start now. Let's start developing ourselves in all those qualities that really matter and use our our drive to excel for self-mastery, and then whatever comes, whether it's an op- a job opportunity, a per- something in your personal life, a challenge presented by the external world, we will have within us who we really need to be in order to face and overcome. So, in life's race, compete only against yourself. Sooner or later, no matter how skilled you are, there will always be someone better. Every record will be broken. Every best will be bettered. In the battle between good and evil, seek victory over your ego. Be calmer today than heretofore. Be- Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.